Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Eight games last weekend were decided by a touchdown or less. You got to play perfect against the Chiefs. And even with that, you need things to fall your way to try to beat them. A commitment to stopping run is step one. The Saints are really a running football team. They're at their best when they can run the football when they want to. Oh, wow. What a courageous decision. No, I think that was the it's only decision. decision. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I played against Jerome Bettis, the bus wasn't really trying to run you over. He always felt like he was the big kid with good feet, which he was. I don't think he's even the top six quarterback in the AFC. She, she my boo, and I'm hoping it work out, but uh, I may get a prenup with this one. You can adequately use this phrase. You about to lose your job. We believe in change, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys for coming in, making us a part of your podcast menu. And you know what? It's actually National Podcast Day. So, hey, share this podcast with friends. Talk about us. Put us out there. Blast us on social media. We certainly would appreciate that. So, again, thanks again for joining us and coming back. If you're returning, this is your first time. We hope that you keep coming back and we provide content that is interesting, informative, and entertaining. We hope to do all of those things. If you are new. You can go to wadeswordproductions.com, wadeswordproductions.com, and check out past episodes and get a little bit of background about your boy, yours truly, and uh, some of the other folks you will hear and have heard on this podcast. In addition to that, we want to be interactive. We do a We the People segment, and we hear from you guys. Well, I like to reach out to you in a couple of ways, and I love to hear from you guys in a number of ways. And one of those ways is by calling the sports line. 832-941-6614. You can call 24 hours a day. Leave your opinion, your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your rebuttals, whatever you want to talk about, leave a message, and you could very well end up on the very next podcast, and uh, people can hear you tell us what's going on. So, again, 832-941-6614. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page, and group. Both of those are ways to be interactive. And on Twitter at Wade's Word. You can follow me on Twitter and I have a whole lot of fun on Twitter all of the time. And I look forward to you guys following me on Twitter at Wade's Word. Well, this time out, our guy Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, a usual guest. He's one of the usual suspects, part of our special teams unit. He will join us to talk some NFL. We will have a We the People segment. We have some new music I want to share with you at the halfway point and at the end of this podcast, we have a surprise, surprise, or better recognized segment that's coming up. We have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. So let's get this thing started with some headlines. In headlines, a lot I want to get into as it pertains to the NFL, but I also want to talk about Texas Southern homecoming. Of course, I do play-by-play for the Tigers. And, uh, again, I've been immersed a lot more in uh, HBCU football and SWAC and all that good stuff, and that's a whole lot of fun. We play Saturday at 2 p.m. You can catch all the action on the KTSU app on 90.9 Houston. That's KTSU 90.9 Houston. So you definitely want to check that out, and it's going to be fun. Uh, because, again, homecoming on campus is fun. A little anxious about all of the people. But, uh, you know, we'll do our best to protect ourselves and, and enjoy ourselves at the same time. It should be a whole lot of fun. I know the university is taking a number of precautions. It's going to be a great, great weekend on the campus of Texas Southern watching some Tiger football. We fell to Rice 48-34, but we saw signs of life uh, from that offense, and really we have an emerging star in Andrew Body, the quarterback, the freshman quarterback, who's just grown exponentially with each series and each quarter the more he gets to play because he hadn't played a whole lot. 
Again, they've only played three games. He handed off in game one. He got some action in game two against Baylor, and he got the start here and went the whole way. With the exception of one play for Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown came in cold. What happened was Andrew Body's helmet was knocked off, and when the helmet comes off in college football, you have to leave for a play. He left for a play. Jalen Brown checked in, threw a touchdown, and just cold, just right off the bench, came in, threw a touchdown. But again, offensive production for Texas Southern, that should be exciting moving forward. Let's shift gears and talk about the NFL. The biggest thing to me is the situation with Kansas City. Kansas City was uncharacteristic in that, first of all, their defense is among the worst in the NFL. They've, they've just not gotten it done at all on the defensive side of the football. Offense hadn't helped out either. You're starting to see uncharacteristic turnovers. But maybe some help. The cavalry may be coming in the form of Josh Gordon. Last time out, I mean, again, I don't know who all listens to this podcast, but, man, did I not just say I wish Kansas City had a better number two receiver? Well, if this guy is in the right headspace, which, again, that's a, that's a big ask, and if this guy is in any kind of shape and if he still has what he had, Josh Gordon is going to be a huge factor as a number two receiver. Again, we know history has taught us that we really can't depend on him. Teams can't depend on him. He's a Houston guy. Went to Lamar, same high school I went to. But I I graduated from Marion, but I went to Lamar for two years. And uh, just a complex individual. I've never been hard on him because I do believe that his issues are really deeper than just the desire to party and get drunk. Obviously, he has some social anxiety. He has some issues to deal with. And no one would throw away those opportunities if they were not severely ill. And that's an illness. His addiction uh, is an illness. And I'm hoping that he's able to conquer it so he can benefit personally, but also uh, share his gifts with the world and the NFL. So I'm rooting for him. I've always rooted for him. I've never been down on him like I have been on some guys. So I'm really rooting for him. And uh, speaking of rooting for, rooting for Andy Reid. He was treated for dehydration, but he left after his loss to the Los Angeles Chargers and uh, was taken to the hospital. They said it was dehydration, so I guess he'll be fine. I hadn't heard a lot since then, but I'm sure he's uh, good to go. At least I hope so. And if not, I'm sure we'll hear more about that very, very soon. But I think the other story is uh, the Los Angeles teams. The Chargers, of course, they beat Kansas City. And the Rams, a team I picked to win the Super Bowl, they really dominated. And again, uh, Tampa Bay was shorthanded. They dominated the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers were beat up on defense. They have since signed Richard Sherman. That should be a big deal. And that should help them a whole lot. But, again, Antonio Brown didn't play because of corona issues. Uh, you know, he has some some COVID issues, and he was vaccinated. So he didn't play. That affected him a little bit. Sean Miller has uh, gotten uh, – Scotty Miller, rather, has gotten hurt. He is out for an extended time. And so their receiving core is going through a few changes. But the Rams look great. And, again, it's early in the season, so we don't know. I do worry that maybe they won't be able to run consistently when they need to late in the season. So we'll have to see how that continues to progress with Matt Stafford at the quarterback instead of Jared Goff. And uh, speaking of Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions, did you see the comeback by the Baltimore Ravens in the 66-yard field goal by Justin Tucker? That, my friend, was magnificent. But it never should have happened. This is my problem with with Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. So what happens is very late in the game, no timeouts, Baltimore gets the ball back, or they have one timeout, whatever that scenario was. But they went through the first three downs, and they were forced forced into a fourth and 19. And now everybody's rushing. They've been running up and down the field, and all – Detroit has to do is stop them on a fourth and 19 and they win the game. So what ended up happening was they call a timeout. And I thought Dan Campbell, that was not the move to make because now you allow, you know, you have a team that's rushing, trying to get to the line, trying to get, figure things out on the fly. And I know your defense is doing the same thing. However, they have to go 19 yards. And you give them a chance to regather themselves and figure out exactly what they want to do. You, I don't care what the scenario is. You shouldn't have been able to convert on a fourth and 19. You just can't do that. 
I don't think Dean Campbell helped himself by calling that timeout. So that is a big, big issue. Not only that, the other thing was the officiating in that situation where the officials failed to call a penalty on a delay of game that would have made it a 71-yard field goal attempt. They didn't get that done. I mean, and much has been made about that, but the refs continue to blow calls, whether it was against the, the Los Angeles Chargers and the, and the Dallas Cowboys. There have been several really bad calls. That was as bad as any, but you have to give all the credit to uh, Justin Tucker. 66 yards he needed. Like I said, every bounce, every inch and in, in a, a kicker's bounce to make that happen, and they got it done. So that's big news. Also, a couple of surprise 3-0 and teams. When you talk about Denver and Carolina, that's happening. Pittsburgh is a huge disappointment. Seattle's a big disappointment. And we'll have to talk more about those things. So a lot going on in the NFL, in the NBA. I'm going to get on the NBA about some things. I'm not ready to get into the NBA. But we know that Shannon Sharp and, and Skip, uh, they're going to get into it. And, and ESPN is going to talk about it every single day. So you you got places to go to talk about basketball. But we're going to talk a little bit, a hint, hint, in the Lamar Award about some basketball. And a local team, basketball team, hint, hint, has a <laughs> – I have a Lamar Award in the holster for them for some of the decisions they are making. But it's a new day in the NBA in a major way. We'll get into that. The Astros, by the time you hear this, I think they will have clinched the AL West and another playoff berth. They had they walked in two runs, including the walk-off walk last night against the Toronto Rays, and they won. Now the magic number is one. So tonight, tomorrow, they'll probably get it done, and the Astros, again, will be the American league west champs and really have as good a shot as anybody i know st louis is hot i know the yankees have won seven in a row it's heating up baseball the baseball playoffs are going to be off of the chain there's so many things i want to talk about and i want to get into uh we won't get an opportunity to get into everything but i, I tell you what there's a lot I want to hear from you about. So give me a call, 832-941-6614. Time for We the People. We the People is when I reach out to you guys or you guys reach out to me via the sports line at 832-941-6614 or you can hit me up on social media on Twitter at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. It's always fun to be a part of that. Let's check the phone lines. Let's see what we have this time up. Hey, Devin Wade, you don't have to be a boxing fan to watch the four-part series by Ken Burns. I just want to give a big shout-out to he and his crew for this wonderful production that they that they gave us. And to use the words by Mike Tyson, a plethora, a cornucopia, stupendous. I, I was filled with so many different emotions. Each night I was just sitting there riveted, and I, I suspect that you will be as well. I'm calling all boxing fans or everyone, really, if you have any sense of history or so forth, to watch that documentary it was really 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 well done take care want to thank Errol for checking in. We certainly appreciate that. I'll tell you what, when you talk about uh, boxing and Muhammad Ali, I have a lot of knowledge. I've watched documentaries, read books. I, I really am well-versed on Ali. And yet I watched a little bit of the – I just was able to catch the last part of the last episode of the four-part series. And Again, that's on PBS. It's definitely worth looking out for um, because I did learn. I learned some things, some intimate things things when i say intimate i mean about his his personal life uh, that i really didn't know think you know i knew things but didn't know other things and it was really uh really well done and again these are the sort of uh historical figures now historical figures that we have to remember and recognize and celebrate and you can't say enough about him and i and i know i go back and forth with my boxing folks and that i'm a, a really a joe frazier fan but again i grew up loving ali and he was a complex individual and his evolution is something to be admired and they talked about that in the last portion 
of the documentary, the episode that I saw of the four-part documentary. And when I can, I am going to go back for sure and look at all four episodes. Look forward to that. With that, going to take a brief time out, come back with more with the D-Nice segment. And we have some great music coming up for you. I'll tell you more about that and a whole lot more, including Lamont Award. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome, welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Going to get into a segment that we call D-Nice. This is when we talk about players who got off, and there were a number of them, and I always like to take your suggestions and your opinions. So as you watch games over the weekend, doesn't even have to be NFL. It could be college football. It could be the NBA. It could be Major League Baseball, Astros, hint, hint. So you tell me who do you think uh, has been uh, D-Nice for the next episode. So give us a call on that at 832-941-6614. Let me say this. Um, what was D-Nice happened at Texas Southern University? Michael Strahan donated some helmets, some brand-new helmets. Of course, we know it was highly celebrated that he bought traveling suits, really nice suits. He partnered with one of his corporate partners, part of his corporate relationship, uh, to provide traveling suits for Jackson State. Deion Sanders, a, a former NFL alum, those guys knew each other and, and know each other well. But he also has done a really uh, good job of supporting Texas Southern University where he played. And just uh, as an aside, uh, my first year doing sideline reports reporting for Texas Southern broadcast was his senior year at Texas Southern. I don't remember him having, and again, this probably has a lot to do with where I was, my headspace, or, or really me not understanding or grasping where and when I was involved with that program in his career. As I recall, he was solid. He was really good. But the excitement around him exploded after the season, the combine and all or whatever else happened after the season. But, yeah, uh, he's done a great job with that. He's always supported Texas Southern. Can't say enough about that. And for homecoming, the Tigers will be sporting brand-new maroon helmets. Love those uh, the look of those new helmets. So if you get a chance to go online, check those out. So that was D-Nice. But there were also teams and players that were not only nice, of course, I told you already, they are D nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. When talking about teams that were D-Nice, the city of Los Angeles was so nice, I have to mention them twice. Look, you always need a little extra shine when you defeat the defending AFC champs, and that's exactly what the Los Angeles Chargers did on the way to a 30-24 victory over the defending AFC champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Herbert was about that life. He was 26-38, 281 yards, and four touchdowns. To add to that, Mike Williams, seven receptions, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. Touchdowns, they were D nice. Look, you always need some extra shine when you knock off the defending world champs, and that's exactly what the Los Angeles Rams did. The Rams are the team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC, and in this matchup Sunday versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they showed early indications of why they may very well be the best team in all of football. They beat up on a depleted Tampa Bay defense on the way to a 30 24 victory, and the game really wasn't even that close. Aaron 
O'Donnell and company, they were D-Nice. The Minnesota Vikings are one of those enigmatic teams that seem better than their record. And then again, no, they don't. But without Dalvin Cook, the Vikings in their season home opener defeated the Seattle Seahawks 30-17. Kirk Cousins was 30 of 38, 323 yards and three touchdowns. They were D-Nice. When you're talking about D-Nice, let's get specific. The Cleveland Browns defense exposed the Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy and the Bears ill-prepared offense. The Bears were just absolutely dominant, holding the Chicago team to just 47 yards on 42 plays. The Bears had just one yard, yes, one yard passing while the Browns beat the hell out of rookie quarterback Justin Fields. That team had nine and a half sacks. They were absolutely dominant and the Browns defense was D-nice. And finally, the Green Bay Packers, who seemed to be in perpetual disarray, got their thing together and had the second most dramatic win of the week when Aaron Rodgers and his Packers defeated the San Francisco 49ers 30 to 28. After blowing a 17 point lead, Rodgers took the ball with just 37 seconds, went 43 yards, setting up kicker Mason Crosby for a 51 yard game winner. He hit it. They were D-nice. When talking about players who were D-nice, it's not every Sunday that a coveted NFL record falls, but when you put one of the best kickers in the history of the NFL in that position, that's exactly what happens. Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens and Texas high school football needed every inch and a kicker's bounce to knock in a 66-yard field goal to snatch victory from the Jaws defeat versus the Detroit Lions, 19-17. 66 yards is a brand new NFL record he was d nice miles garrett who has been famous then infamous now redeemed question mark was just nasty on sunday with four and a half sacks versus the chicago bears garrett of the browns and texas high school football was terrifying if you're an opposing offense and he was d nice for aj green the most important ability is availability well he was available sunday for his new team the arizona cardinals green had five catches for 112 yards as the cardinals defeated the jacksonville jaguars and he was d nice green bay packer wide receiver Devonte adams is a grown ass man and in addition to helping me make some money in fantasy football he also helped his Packers with 12 catches for 132 yards and one touchdown including a fantastic play with just seconds to play in the game on the way to the victory over the 49ers he was D-nice finally Josh Allen quarterback of the Buffalo Bills is the best player in the NFL that we don't talk nearly enough about Sunday he and his Bills dissected the Washington football team's defense on the way to a 43-21 victory Allen had three 358 yards passing with four touchdowns on 32 of 43 passing. He, along with all of these teams and players, were D-nice. Well, that's my list of who was D-nice. Who is on your list of D-nice? What suggestions do you have? Hit me up, 832-941-6614. With that, there's a lot more left to go. We have our conversation with Eddie Robinson. We have some new music you're about to hear, a snippet of at the halfway point, and more at the end of the podcast. We have a surprise, surprise, or better recognized segment coming up, and we have a Lamont Award on this, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. I'll play them blues.
Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. That is music by Mr. Albert, a.k.a. Mr. Oil. He is a Oilers historian, and you definitely want to check him out on Twitter at Love Your Blue. And uh, great stuff. If you love or remember the Oilers or just love old-time football, not even old-time football, but classic historic football from the city of Houston, that's your guy. He is definitely the one to seek out. The name of that cut is Columbia Blues. And you can hear the rest of that track at the end of this podcast. You can hear all the lyrics. So there's some great lyrics with that. But I picked out the blues part because, again, that's part of that Houston, that South Texas tradition. You know, when you talk about Houston, we have some deep blues roots. My dad would have loved that. I'm telling you. You talk about Lightning Hopkins and Gatemouth Brown and all the folks who've come through Houston. ZZ Top. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's very familiar for us here in South Texas. Hopefully you like that. Hit him up. And when you hear the song, because you will hear it, I'm sure. He's, he has big plans for the song. When you hear it, make sure you tell folks you heard it here first so with that want to get into our conversation with a member of our special teams unit former nfl linebacker eddie robinson our guy eddie robinson back aboard how are you this afternoon ed oh man everything's good how's it going on your end Man, just excited about football, excited about swag football, excited about the NFL. The NFL has been tremendously entertaining, and we had a lot of developments happen last weekend, whether you're talking about the Baltimore Ravens with that last-second comeback, when you talk about the Green Bay Packers, when you talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams with big wins this weekend. What stood out to you over the weekend in the NFL? Well, I mean, my biggest thing is the Chargers. I really think with Herbert that those guys have the potential to be a really good team. And and Williams and Eckler, they can put up a lot of points. And I think they have just enough defense, uh, you know, with a struggling Kansas City, although I think Kansas City would definitely get it together. But, I mean, the name of the game is offense in NFL. Offense sells tickets. And and if I lived in the L.A., San Diego area, I would definitely buy season tickets to the Chargers just because I think they have a young, exciting up-and-coming quarterback who can be one of the, the greats in the NFL for years to come. But let me ask you about the, the Saints, and I want to ask you about the Green Bay Packers with that big win on the road in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay, uh, I mean, they'll be there at the end. I mean, their their division is pretty weak, so it's, it's no doubt they'll win their division. It's just a matter if they'll get the home field or not. They'll have some good games, some bad games, but that's a team that's really just trying to stay healthy and get into the playoff stretch. And with the Saints, I think it's just still trying to figure out uh, what can you get out of Jameis Winston? You know, how consistent he can be. And, uh, I mean, man, when, when, when I watch him, I'm excited as a fan, and, of course, I'm rooting for him. But, man, he makes me nervous sometimes. It's like some of the throws that he makes and the position he's throwing that ball at. So, uh, to me, I think, still think he has to focus on getting the ball out of his hand faster and uh, don't try to win the game, but definitely manage and not lose the game. And the Saints, I mean, their defense is really coming to play. So I think they're, they're a team that will still be in the mix. But um, James is going to have a lot to do with that. And, and I, But I, I do feel like if he gets out of control with it, that um, Sean Payton will, will start imploring a little bit different strategy and maybe uh, you know playing the backup quarterback a little more. Wow. Well, we'll have to watch that and see. So I want to go back to Baltimore beating the Detroit Lions. This is my thought, and I talked to a couple people about this. Give me your take on this. Okay, the after the Ravens were scrambling, trying to get something going to get themselves in field position with, with no timeouts, it's, you know, and then they're forced into a fourth and 19 with no timeouts. And then Detroit, Dan Campbell, takes a timeout. They come out of the timeout, and then the the Ravens convert on a 4th and 19. My contention is don't call that timeout. I know that your defense is kind of scrambling, but that offense is really scrambling to try to convert on a 4th and 19. What do you think about that timeout in that situation? Well, I, I would say this. I mean, defensively, if you feel like we're totally not set up, then you don't want to take that timeout into the locker room, as they say, or to the end of the game. And then you give up a play just because we didn't tell a kid or tell a player, hey, man, you need to be here and you need to watch out for that. So I'm okay with the timeout, but the the biggest part is it's fourth and 19. 
Like you have to be able to execute in those situations to get off the field. And and it's something it's situational football. I mean, you you have to, to make that play on fourth and nineteen. So the timeout isn't what killed you, in my opinion. It's that you didn't execute on the fourth and nineteen play, which is a very low percentage play. Well, here's my deal uh, on the timeout. With Baltimore kind of just, hey, just go out and try to find a space, you know, just just go and run. You know, your receivers have run a couple of patterns. I'm not to say that they're fatigued, but again, everybody's, you know, you're trying to get to the line, you're racing, you know, trying to get this this done, and then you get a timeout, sort of a reprieve, so you can kind of recalibrate and figure out what you want to do. And, and so that's that was my problem. Nobody, I hadn't heard anybody really mention that uh, that as an issue. But to me, I'm like, even in live time, I'm like, no, don't take a time out there. Take your chances and let this scrambling offense try to figure it out. But I, I mean, I get well, the, the greater the, point. The biggest thing is, you know, you're you're talking about situational football, and, and one thing, you know, with Jeff Fisher, you know, I, I can say him and Greg Williams. We always felt like we were prepared for every situation that could possibly happen. So, and this goes back to Buddy Ryan. He he was the first guy that really presented that to us, and he had a whole situation where you went down. First of all, you have to know are you are you defending a field goal or a touchdown. In this situation, you're defending a field goal, and you have to know what yard line you are defending based on the kicker. And that's something that you know going into the game. And when it gets into that situation, the coaches let you know, hey man, we're defending the 30 yard line. Which in this case you're defending the damn fifty yard line because you kickers can make it better. But that's here nor there. So we actually we actually went down to the situation where we knew based on the amount of time left and they had timeouts, we would say, Hey, last three, meaning that they have time for three plays. Then we would go last two. And then and when we would say last one, everybody knew exactly what to do. Because last one is saying, Hey, they have one play and we can defend this. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's one of those situations where I understand you, what you're saying is from a situational standpoint, Detroit should have been able to say, hey, last one and everybody should have been on the same page. It's, it's like it's like going into basketball. Like, hey, man, they got no timeouts, and, and this is what we're going to do. It, it should be automatic. And so from that standpoint, you shouldn't have had to burn the timeout. But I, I still would say that if I'm a defensive coach and I see this kid looking over here and, and he's lined up, you know, eight yards off the ball instead of 20 yards like he should have been, then I would err on, let me call the timeout because statistically I should be able to stop before the 19th. <laughs> right, know? right, right, right. You're exactly right. I want to ask you a, a little bit about the field goal itself. Man, how about a couple of big kicks? You talk about Mason Crosby with the 51-yarder, which is, I mean, like that's routine now, and then a 66-yard field goal. Kind of put that in perspective for folks who really don't understand how significant this record is that Justin Tucker set uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I mean, and, and you're talking about a 66-yard field goal. It wasn't like at the end of the half or, you know, middle of the third quarter. This was a game winner. So, I mean, you're talking about – and kickers have a lot of pressure on them. But I'm almost like in this situation, it's almost like no pressure because nobody expects you to make it. So you can just go out there. I mean, if he would have missed it, it would have been like, ah, oh, well, yeah, it was a 66-yarder. You know, right, so – Right, But But still, I mean, hey, you got to you gotta give that guy credit. I mean, that – that moves him up that goat level as far as, as as kickers, but I mean defensively, you know, if I see a guy that's lined up on on the logo basically about to kick a field goal, I mean it's it's kind of like you know where do I defend the three pointer at in basketball? Like when right. they cross the half court line, I gotta I gotta pick them up from the half court line. So I mean it, it definitely will will change the way teams play Baltimore to say I man this this guy hit a 66 yarder so i mean 60 55 51 i mean that's that's routine and that's a weapon when you can when you can know hey we get to the 40 then hey we we got points on the board we get to the 35 or 30 so i mean i'm i'm thinking they have to come up i know they have a k-ball but they're gonna have to come up with a slightly different k-ball it has to be heavier <laughs> it's gonna have to be you know put something in it maybe you know nitrogen whatever it was what's heavier than oxygen i mean come on you i'm a chemistry major i should know but i yeah, don't but we have know. to put a, a different type of gas in there that's that make the ball a little heavier it doesn't go as far because that's not, not gonna not keep fair. happening that was that was that, that was once i mean that's a record set that's fair. not gonna that's it's, not gonna happen it's not every fair week. to the defense when, <laughs> when we have to defend 66 yard field goals i mean i know we like points and all but come on come on Devin. that's ridiculous <laughs> hey man he got it done well you know what this is what I want to do now that I have you uh, a segment we we've done before I don't know if you and I've done it before but it's called surprise surprise surprise, surprise. or better recognize recognize 
So I'm going to give you a team and you tell me if the scenario is a surprise to the, to you and to everyone else, or we better recognize, hey, this was something we should have saw coming. So let's start first with the Kansas City Chiefs and their struggles on defense. Is that a surprise, surprise, or better recognize? Oh, I think that's a that's a better recognize. Recognize. I mean, yeah, we all I mean we saw it last year. I mean, Kansas City just doesn't have a great defense, and I think what they're going to have to start doing is they're going to have to do some more ball control on offense. And I thought we we talked about it on the on the last time I was on. I mean, when you don't have a great defense, but you have a great high power, high scoring offense that can score fast, sometimes that offense just doesn't need to score so fast. And I know that's hard to say because if you're in the rhythm offensively, your job is to put points on the board. But as a head coach. You know, Andy Reid's job is also to manage the football game, to make sure that his defense isn't out there 70 or 80 plays because of a combination of they can't get off the field on third down. And also the offense is scoring so fast that, you know, a minute, 30 seconds go off the clock and you score seven, but now the defense is right back on the field. But I mean, that team offensively get it going, but defensively to make some plays or you have to say, hey, we're going to be a defense. We're going to take a lot of chances, and we're going to live off the turnover. We may give up 400 yards a game, but we're going to get two or three turnovers every week, and that'll still balance us out that way. And also, Kansas City Chiefs offense has been uncharacteristic in their turnovers. You go to, back to the Baltimore game with Edwards Hilaire with the late fumble that really essentially cost them an opportunity to win the game. Mahomes had turnovers, more uh, another Edwards Hilaire fumble. So, you know, they're uncharacteristically turning the football over on offense, too. So that's not helping their defense. I'm going to say uh, you better recognize on that one. Recognize. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, their the defense is. I just don't know how they can't get it together a little bit better than what they had. One of the worst defenses in the, in the entire NFL, and they better turn that around really, really quickly. So next up, and surprise, surprise, or better recognize, the Carolina Panthers leading the NFC South. Is that surprise, surprise, or better recognize? Oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm an NFC South guy, so that's absolutely surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And i tell you why. I mean, you know, McCaffrey didn't play this week, and so for them to still get a victory, uh, you know, quarterback transferring from another team and, and everything, I mean, you, you have to give those guys credit. I mean, they're getting it done. They have a big victory over the Saints, of course. They still have two matchups with Tampa. So, I mean, there's a lot more work to do, but it's a it's a good early season story at 3-0. and Personally, I just don't see it lasting, although I will say they bring a lot of defense to the party and they have a pretty good pass rush. So, I mean, that's the way you beat teams like the Saints. That's the way you beat teams like Tampa Bay. I mean, there's so many, they have so many skilled guys that you got to put pressure on the quarterback. So if they, if they pass rush can actually continue doing what it's, what it's doing and that offense can keep it going and McCaffrey, he can come back. You know, he'll, he'll come back and, and be ready to go once again. So, I mean, hey, a, a worthy, competitive team, but I think it's a surprise that they're 3-0 and and on top of that, that NFC South division at this point. And also they benefited from their the schedule because, again, you have the Jets and then the Texans. And, and of course, you have a division foe at home. So, yeah, I think the schedule's kind of aligned perfectly for them. Finally, in surprise, surprise, or better recognize, the Los Angeles Rams. For, now, for me, let me say this. For me, it's you better recognize because that team I picked to go to the Super Bowl and they really took advantage of a depleted Tampa right, Bay I defense. I, didn't, I missed that episode. I didn't. I didn't hear that. Oh. Yes, you had that on tape. Can, yes, can I do. Verify this. Yes, I do. You got to listen to the podcast. So the, so the team starts three and zero, and all of a sudden you start retaping segments. That's what I'm thinking is going on. <laughs> well, actually, you know the, the situation is this is a team that has the only. I have. My, well, let me let you answer first. For the Rams, uh, Rams having this kind of success so far this season and, and again 3-0 and on the season is this surprise surprise for you or better recognized well I'm, I'm gonna go with surprise surprise surprise, surprise. And, and i'm gonna tell you why because the biggest difference is jared goff is not there and i always felt like jared goff was a good capable quarterback and i didn't really see a huge upgrade you know with trading for the guy from detroit and so I mean, uh, although he's a he's a good player and maybe he's slightly better than Jared Goff, I didn't think that he would make that big of a difference. I mean, but overall, the Rams can do a lot of things offensively. So I really like the head coach and the things that they do scheme-wise offensively. And they still have, you know, Cup and some, some really Donald in the middle on defense. I mean, so it's the same team. 
that stole the NFC championship from the Saints. So, I mean, effectively, you would have to say that they can get it back going. And so that's what you see is really taking place. But I don't know if they can withstand, you know, all of the things. I mean, you got some really good teams in the NFC West. So, I mean, Seattle's kind of sputtering, but you know that they'll be better. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up the pace. Well, my big question mark around them is will they be able to run the ball? But remember, they had a couple of really big injuries in the backfield. You do have Sony Michelle, and, and so you have, you have guys that are capable, but I, I think you were a little bit better with Cam Akers in the backfield and he's out for the year so I worry that when it turns cold and and can this team whatever I don't know what their late season schedule looks like but can they go on the road and if they're not able to pass the ball as much or as easily can they run the ball when they need to so that's sort of uh sort of my concerns with the Rams as we move forward but so far so good I want to ask you about this and about in that game they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Buccaneers a little beat up on defense didn't have Antonio Brown because of COVID. What do you think about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this weekend's game as they go to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots? I mean, that, that'll be definitely a, a Tom Brady and Gronkowski emotional moment. Um, the Patriots, I just don't think, are a very good team right now. You know, Mark Jones is still a young quarterback. The Saints, I, I watched that entire game. They probably blitzed them at least 70% of the time. Once you're a young guy and defenses realize, hey, man, they blitzed him 70% of the time, and he had a lot of trouble completing passes. I guarantee you Tampa Bay is going to dial up the same type of blitzes and just play a lot of tough man-to-man coverage. I don't think the Patriots have the skill set of players to just win one-on-one at the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, that's that's what you have to do until they show you that they can beat it. But, I mean, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady going back to Foxborough, I'm sure. You know, a lot of the fans, I mean, he, he deserves a standing ovation and the parade and everything else what he's done for that franchise. And then after that, I, I think he's going to commence to uh, – beating up on his old coach. (laughs) I think we'll get uh, next week. We'll get into the conversation about Belichick versus Brady. If we hadn't chimed in enough on that, I'm sure we'll have more room to talk about that. Now, before we go get out of here, because we're running out of time, I want to give you an opportunity and I didn't see any highlights. I just saw it on the crawl at the bottom. It looked like did our guy win a formula one race? Did Lewis Hamilton win? You, you probably missed That's, that's the problem, man. Everything really gets exciting, and, and it starts the, the cup starts to overflow for Formula One in the in the fall, and as you go into the late winter, because that's when the championship is starting to get wrapped up. But yeah, man, Lewis Lewis won down in Sochi in Russia, and, and Max Verstappen came around to get second place just just out of nowhere. I mean, it was out of all of the Formula One races that I have seen in person or on TV, this had to be one of the most exciting races from the qualifying from. You know, lap number one to the last lap. I mean, it was so much drama. Lando Norris, who had never won a race, and it started to rain, and he had on the slick tires. And so they were telling him, hey, man, you got to pit. Take the tires off. And he was like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So then one lap later, uh, guys, I, I think I have to pit. It, it, it's raining and I'm slipping. So it was it was, it was, was drama. You felt sorry for the kid. And meanwhile, Lewis, who, who went for his 100th career Formula One victory, which is totally amazing, um, and he didn't want to listen to his pit crew either, but he did. And at the end, they were a little bit more forceful, like pit the cars. So, I mean, it was a it was a lot of drama. It's, it's a race that you could go back and watch it and just get your popcorn out, and you'll really enjoy it. Well, after football season, we'll try to we'll, we'll try oh, to look. Wow. For- so you gonna pull it up in, <laughs> in March? <laughs> okay, there you go. There so, you go. <laughs> and finally, I want to do do want to give you an opportunity. Swag football, HBCU football, a lot going on there. What have you seen? I know you keep an eye out on it. Your Alabama State mighty Hornets. What's going on from your perspective with uh, with HBCU football? Yeah, man. I mean, the attendance numbers are up. I mean, Alabama State beat Bethune Cookman and kind of welcomed them into the SWAC. And and Alabama A&M plays Jackson this year, which is a, a big, huge matchup in the East. And and most people will probably say the winner of that team has a great chance to win the East and, and represent you know that side of the conference. And right. and FAMU is kind of the dark horse because I mean they lost to to Jackson, but it was the first game of the year and. And we know that they're going to get better as the year goes on. I mean, they have a really good coach. So I think they're the, kind of the dark horse to say, 
All right, Jackson, Alabama A&M, we kind of know what you are. Alabama State, you know, you're going to be a good, consistent team, hard to beat at home. But FAMU is like, all right, can you step up and really run the table in the East or, or be a spoiler or how many games will you will you win? So I mean, it's, it's a lot of exciting games. I mean, the good thing about the SWAC right now is every weekend there's a game that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's like two games that I, that I really want to see it. Getting a lot of good coverage on ESPN2 and ESPN3. So, I mean, it's, it's a great year for HBCU football. And Alcorn is just – they were getting beat up on Thursday yes. night by Pine Bluff. What a huge and all of a comeback. sudden, they, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, and like they say, how can I lose my title if I didn't play last year? So, right now, Alcorn is still feeling like they're the swag champs and they played like it at the end of that game. Kind of feel bad for UAPB, but you can't allow them to come back. You had a, what, a 19-point lead in the second half, something like that. Hey, hey, man, you know, I was on that Oilers team in 93, oh, so yeah, I'm a yeah, little sensitive yeah, when I you know. start talking with well, 92. <laughs> so I'm a little sensitive when you start talking about comebacks. But, yeah, man, they, I mean, Pine Bluff did everything but win the game. They played great. And then, you know, the, the last half of the fourth quarter, they just couldn't close the deal. But to me, that's the sign of a championship team. I mean, once you get into that rhythm, it, it seems like Pine Bluff was hoping to win and Alcorn was expecting to win going yeah. down the stretch. And, and granted, Alcorn's quarterback, the trigger man, Felix, he didn't have his best game. He hasn't. I don't think he's played his best game of the year so far. So what's scary about Alcorn is they're winning with their best player not playing at his best. And at some point, you have to think that Felix is going to get it, you know, figured out and get it going. And if that happens, man, the, the, the whole conference better really watch out because they're a good team with Felix struggling. So uh, Felix playing well, man, that, that really is a, is a trouble for the rest of the league. Well, he was Offensive Player of the Week. By the way, they do have a have to tangle in Houston with the Texas Southern Tigers, who, by the way, uh, again, they yep. found their quarterback, and he was the newcomer of the week in the swag, Andrew Body, and homecoming uh, this weekend for the Tigers. Last non-conference game for them as we get prepared to go on this uh, this murderous row of games in the swag West and a few uh, Eastern Division teams as well. How can folks reach you on social media? Hey, I'm at erod50 on Instagram and Twitter. Love to hear from you. Hey, man, thank you as always. We certainly enjoyed it. Okay. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Ed as always. We certainly appreciate that. And speaking of surprise, surprise, I'm surprised, surprised by his surprise at the production of Matt Stafford. Now, a lot of people have hyped him up and given him a pass for Detroit, but I think you can give all players passes in Detroit. Whatever they do in Detroit, let's say that they are 15 to 20% better, maybe even more, maybe 40% better if they had been on another team, another franchise in the NFL. But nonetheless, I'm surprised that he's surprised at how good Matt Stafford is, and we'll have to see how good he'll be moving forward. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy or big dummies of the episode. Well, this time we have a couple of them. And I know they're more than just these two. But we're going to concentrate on two NBA basketball players because... As you know, since the start of the pandemic, we've gone through this together, me and all of you guys, through all the different phases of this global pandemic. When uh, there weren't any sports, to you know, social distancing and isolation and masking up and the shutdown and all of those things. And along the way, I provided experts for you, doctors, politicians, specialists. Uh, cardiologists, all of the people, a number of people who are, again, disseminating information to help you guys so we can uh, get over this thing and get back to uh, the previous normal, which we, we probably will never get back to. But again, because again, we're still losing 1,500 people a day. And I think most people know someone. I have a relative. I have former co-workers, friends that will be alive today if not for COVID, and in some cases, if they had taken the vaccine. So now the NBA is about to start up several media days around the country, and a couple of things about the NBA. NBA has done a tremendous job. 
from the bubble to going through all of the protocols to keep the players safe, to provide a product for us, a distraction for us. They got us through the summer. Remember, when they played in the bubble, that was the only show in town. And they got us through that. And they did a tremendous job with that. And we certainly, I certainly appreciated that. And I appreciate uh, Adam Silver and the players and the teams all complying to try to make that happen. And most players are vaccinated. But the problem is, in certain municipalities and states and cities, they have laws and guidelines that prevent players or people coming into the arenas that aren't vaccinated. So now you have a situation where in San Francisco in the Bay Area, if you're not fully vaccinated, you cannot attend a basketball game in any of their major arenas. Same thing in New York. If you have not had at least one shot. So now we have guys on each coast that uh, are, will be directly affected. And these are no small players. I'm talking about Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins. Now let's start with Andrew Wiggins. He says it's a private matter. He tried to seek a religious exemption, and the NBA was like, hell no. We don't know what you're talking about, but no. Your a religious exemption is denied. So since then, didn't look like he, he got a shot because when media day took place for the Golden State Warriors, he was not present. He was not allowed to be present. And there was no explanation forthcoming as to why he wasn't there. So we're left to assume that he couldn't be there because of the laws in that municipality. Or I don't know if it's a state law just in that municipality. But nonetheless, he talked about it being private. Okay, well, guess what? You essentially work for the public. Because millions of people spend billions of dollars to support your lifestyle, to support the, the organization, and you make your money from the people. So, And again, I know that that's a slippery slope when you start talking about privacy and what we have a right to know. But this is not a private issue. And this is not a, oh, it's each individual's choice issue. It's not that. Because... If it was up to just the individual and you got it and you died, that's on you. But what happens is you get sick, you give it to whomever's in your vicinity. You spread it and other people get sick and other people die. And even though you may not have any ill effects from it, you have spread this disease and allowed for variants to develop because the virus has continued life. So it's not just about you. And then... Uh, there are a lot of people, I always say this, if you get sick with COVID and you didn't take your vaccine and you could have taken your vaccine, and, and meaning there is no, uh, no health reason that prevents you from taking it, then you shouldn't go to the hospital. Go to your witch doctor, go to your internet doctor and do that. Because now you have people who have real life issues that are not related to COVID who can't even get a bed. They can't get, even get a room in the hospital. And a lot of people are dying subsequently because there's no availability in hospitals. This is a real thing. So look it up. You may not want to. I get it. But let's shift gears here. Let's go to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving once tried to convince his teammates that the earth was flat. Kyrie is what we call a new fool. He's the kind of guy that knows just enough to prove that he don't know. He tries to, he talks in circles. He talks in contradiction. He tries, I don't know what he's trying to do, but it's not working. And I, look, I enjoy him as a basketball player. And I don't think he's a dumb man. He's just a, a man that just, you overthinking it, bro. You, you're making it too complicated. You're so smart, you're dumb, but not quite on either front. But nonetheless, look, he stands to lose. The NBA says if you can't play because you won't get vaccinated, you don't get paid. So Kyrie stands to lose $400,000 a game. And if he's a man of principle, he'll take that hit. So what does that do to Brooklyn's hopes? Now you say, well, okay, well, in real life, it's about his health. It's not about no damn basketball team. Okay, I get it. But we have to figure this thing out. Kyrie, get your shot. Andrew, get your shot. And not only that, explain to people the necessity to get the shot. Because after all, it's folks in your communities, communities similar to where you came from that are most affected by this. But because you guys have not gotten your shot, and it may cost you some money. Maybe you will, and maybe I'll have to backtrack and apologize. But for now, you guys are big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I may be 
dating myself, but for many of you, you may remember the Eddie Murphy skid or maybe the Wayne's Brothers did. A number of comedians have done this. The, the guy in prison that has turned his life around reading and educating himself and, and earning every word of the dictionary. And then they use the words out of context. The pontification of the mercurial for the statute of the exhilaration of constitutionality. <laughs> that's that's kind of Kyrie. A little bit. Not quite. But you ought to read the Sally Jenkins column in the Washington Post about Kyrie Irving. Very interesting read. But again, I don't want to be too hard on the brother. But man, come on, man. Really? Man, just get the damn shot. and Let's move forward with this thing and try to get over this thing. So that's that. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to thank Eddie Robinson for joining us, as always. Want to thank Errol for checking in. Want to remind you guys, you can give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook, the WadesWordProductions.com website. So WadesWordProductions.com website. Want to thank you guys so much. Want to thank Mr. Oil, and we're going to hear the entire track Columbia Blues in just a second but I want you to remember all of that stuff but most importantly I want you to remember these four things number one I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two I ain't got no money three I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast remember you can follow him on Twitter at Waysword. Thank you for listening. I was born in the Bayou City back in 1969. Blues.